The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you. Hello, Fire Whiskers. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Debt of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. And try to stay on topic. Which is easier said than done. Without further ado, here's this week's chapter of The Debt of Time. Um, fuck. Uh, I think it's episode 9, chapter 146. Oh man, we're almost there. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jesus. We've got less than 10 chapters left, dude. Oi. I know. Yeah, we, uh, we missed the big 10 left. Uh, I think we're at 8 now. Oh yeah. Also, hello Fire Whiskers. Thank you for joining us on this wonderful whatever day this drops because yeah, um trigger warning. I'm going to talk about my kid a lot. If that is something that is going to negatively affect you, please feel free to skip forward by about mm, 3 to 5 minutes. Thank you. We were prepared to have to work around like a newborn schedule. Um I was not prepared to have to work around a toddler schedule. I was I have heard things about toddlers, but having never had one myself, um, since I've never had a toddler before, I was unprepared for whatever the fuck happens at this 18-month mark where they just lose their fucking minds and decide that they don't want to go to bed anymore. So um, I've been sleeping on a nugget, well, Sam's Club nugget, and a giant sloth for like a week now. Um... And I used to try to, like, sneak out of his room to sleep in my bed, but then he, like, wakes up every once in a while, and if I pat him on the back, he goes back down in a second, and if I am not there in 30 seconds, then it takes, like, 45 minutes to get him back down. So, uh, yeah, it's been, um, it has been fun. I am retired. But, enough for the baby jar. I, I, I do want to make it lest I sound... Like, I am doing nothing but complaining. I am aware of how incredibly lucky I am to have him, and, you know, we did work hard to get here, and we are very lucky to have a sweet little boy who is just the giggliest, cuddliest, loves giving kisses, loves giving hugs. Um, Took him to the library today for the first time, and he had a blast. Uh, Yeah, if you haven't been to your local library, fucking go. Shit's amazing like i can't believe it's all free it's wild i mean like i know it's not free i'm paying for it with my taxes but like whatever um i finally have a library card for like the first time since i think i was like 12 uh mainly so that i can rent kindle and audiobooks uh, and stop fucking spending so much money on them because i got something called ynab which is called you need a budget i'm currently in the 34 day free trial And I've decided that if I do stick with it for those 34 days, I will pay the money to stick with it because I would like to save more money. Um, And one of the ways I'm going to do that is going to stop fucking buying books. Um, But anyway, 
Unless I like really like it and then I'll spend the money on it. But um Yeah. So that's that's what I've been oh and trying to figure out a way to say this without oversharing, but um basically my job changed very unexpectedly and non consensually. <laughs> <laughs> and uh it did not go well for me or my new boss and uh so now i am she is aware because she is helping me um so this is not like me fucking up my future but i am looking for a new position within my company uh that is slightly more predictable but also um this is a really long ramble like, this is already five minutes of shit, but, like, whatever. Um, I had a conversation with my boss, which the summary was, hey, you're really not doing well at this job, and um, you probably shouldn't be in it. But she said it in such a way that we walked away both feeling better. <laughs> and she said things like, I don't know how you're doing this with a toddler. When I had toddlers, I worked second shift, and, you know, when they were a bit older than I started working on my career. And actually a lot of the women managers that I work with are like, yeah, I don't know how the fuck you're doing this. I either did not work when I had small children or I took a job that was not terribly demanding and was not a nine to five and kind of put my, you know, ladder climbing on hold. And then when they got older, then I started trying to like climb back up the ladder. They're like, I can't believe you're doing all of this with a fucking toddler. And I'm like, yeah, I am now at a point where I don't think it is. But I grew up thinking that I always had to be climbing the ladder and that any step backwards was a bad step. But now I'm like, no, fuck that. I'm not. My self-worth does not rest in my job. At the end of the day, when I'm laying on my deathbed, I'm not going to go, damn, I wish I'd worked longer hours. I'm going to go, damn, I wish I'd spent more time with my kid. So um, I'm going to find a job that lets me spend more time with my kid. Anyway, with all of that being said, um, do you have any rambles on the docket? Just read to me so I can go to bed. <laughs> you know, fucking fair. You know what? Yes. That's all I want. Okay. What it's happened? 9.15, guys. <laughs> and we're old. That used to be when our night started. <laughs> yeah. Th that would be the time when I would text Kat going, you want to come downtown with me? And Kat would go, no, Claire. I already took my bra off. And I'm like, oh, and you want to wear a dress? Um, No, Claire. I'm already in bed. And you want to wear high heels? Ugh. Okay. How long until you're here? And she would, uh, there were some nights where she put her foot down, but for the most yeah, part. Yeah, and by the way, she would do these things when it wasn't my hair washing day, <laughs> and y'all know what I'm talking about. You have your hair washing days, and I would have to jump in the shower and quickly wash and dry my damn hair by the time she got to my house. And I would be like, muggle, I don't got the face for the nasty ass hair. And she would always do it when I didn't wash my hair. Mm-hmm. And yeah. but we had fun. And it was before I discovered dry shampoo, so don't yes. even come at me with that because I didn't know that existed. But also that was 
back in the days where you abhorred any version of makeup. And so, like, really, you only had to do your hair. Yep. And then you and discovered dark lips. And I was quite yeah. proud. But. And now we somewhat get along, but it's been a while. Yeah. It it was it was like pulling teeth for the longest time. But I, you know what? I did respect it because you were like, no, this is my face. If people don't like it fair, then fuck them. And I'm like, you know, yeah. I respect it. And yeah, like that's one of the things I love about my husband is that he's like, my favorite version of you is wearing like jeans and a t-shirt and no makeup and your hair just, you know, down, which is yeah. nice. Because then he knows that, like, when I dress up, I'm not doing it for him. I'm doing it for me. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah, most of the time. And also, back it. then, I couldn't wear heels that much because <laughs> I looked like a baby giraffe getting its legs. <laughs> but now I discovered Chinese laundry, and that's the only heel I can apparently wear now that doesn't make me look like a baby giraffe trying to walk. So, in your shout defense. out to Chinese laundry. Sponsor podcast, send me <laughs> shoes. I'm an eight and a half. In your defense, I'm pretty sure the first pair of shoes I ever made you buy were at Payless. They were purple high heels and they had like a three or four inch heel. They were yeah. over the platform. They were stilettos. Yeah. And I still have them, but I'm trying to sell them on Poshmark because yes. I will never wear them again. So anybody wants to buy them, Cat the Closet, shoes. Poshmark. Yeah, the other thing I need to do is, like, I have all these cute dresses that I bought pre-wedding with intentions of wearing them during, like, the honeymoon and shit, or for my Dirty 30 party that was supposed to happen in Vegas and then did not because COVID. Um, so I have yeah. all of these dresses that I'm probably What day we're going to bake that up? What oh, day? We are. We are. We're, we're going to bake up mine and yours. It, Flirty and 40? Yeah. Hell yeah. By the way, I changed my mind speaking of 30th birthday parties because I know I said I wanted to do Camp Cat. Yeah. Right. But I changed my mind. I think that would be a fantastic bachelorette party when oh, somebody finally proposed. Fuck yeah. Because I want to do yes. Camp Cat. Yes. 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 Okay. We can do that. And I already made her a list on Etsy that says for Claire that she needs to look at because I already found my own goodie bags and my own Stuff. And I am here for it. <laughs> Only because when I was looking for yours, all this stuff kept coming up, and I was like, I need that. I'm saving that. I mean, I already have a Pinterest board for it, but yeah. Well, now that I know that you don't want to cruise and you want to camp instead, now I have to like change everything, but that's fine. Um, I didn't want to cruise. I wanted to go sit on a beach in like Maui or something, but now I want to camp. I, I want camp, no counselors. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's what it's called. That's adorable. Yeah, it's a camp for adults where you do adult activities like you would do at summer camp, except it's not coloring and archery and shit. <laughs> I mean, archery. Look is it up. Fun. It's in like I think three or four. <laughs> yeah, it's like three or four states. I think that it's in, but yeah. Here for it. All right. What had happened was what happened was. Don't ask me what had happened was. Shit, I don't know. So short version, <laughs> Maya. Pulled in her life debt with Kingsley. She shows up at the Ministry for Magic. And she's like, yo, I'm going to take the Potter house seat. And they're like, you can't do that. And Harry was like, I don't want it. And then um, I think they were like, they tried to trace it back to like the black line. And Sirius was like, she can have it. 
And then they were like, wait, but there's Draco. And Draco is, comes in and looks like a dickhead. And he's like, I accept. And give it to Maya Potter. And they're like, what the fuck? Uh, so anyway, so she ends up with her house seat. Um, and all that kind of shit. And fucking Umbridge and Fudge are being like dickheads. Uh, and then Maya no. says uh, she'd like to take her first action as a member of the esteemed assembly by accusing Madame Dolores Umbridge of fraud, legislation, forgery, and the use of an unforgivable and a high-ranking ministry official. Um, and I formally request that she be immediately dismissed for the, from the wisdom gamut. And that was where we ended. Oh, okay. By the way, we watched Aladdin the other day, and he doesn't know about the warning, because when the warning came up, he was like, what the crap is this? And I'm like... <sighs> Disney puts warnings on movies we used to watch as kids now. And he's like, I didn't know that. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, part of me at the beginning, I was like, what the fuck? And then I was like, you know what? No better do better. Yeah. Like, he had no idea. I was like, yeah, Disney puts warnings on our movies now. Yeah. it. You know what? Disney did some seriously questionable shit in the ba- back in the day. So They like, killed every person's parents. Oh, in yeah. every movie. Yes. Like, that's insane. I know why they did it, but it's still insane. No, um, no, but, like, certain parts of Fantasia, which they actually cut out, were um, <clears throat> blatantly yeah. racist. Like, holy shit. Um, yeah. Because I was like, I don't remember there being racist stuff. And then I realized that it was actually cut out before I'd ever seen the movie. And then I went back and I, like, watched it on, like, YouTube or something. I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. okay. Censorship is good sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, the dead of time. Oh, let me take a sip. Oh, final thing before we get started. It is a little bit sweet, but the lemongrass mint green tea from Publix. Fucking delicious. Big fan. Chapter 146. Mercy. January 18th, 1999. Everyone quiet. Kingsley was shouting and had taken to using a sonorous charm in order to get the attention of the chaotic wizengamot. Most of the blood purists were in an outrage on behalf of Umbridge, though the order members were just as loud on the other side, defending Maya's accusation. It was the members in the middle who remained silent. When an actual fight broke out between the two lower opposing members, Theo Nott, with an annoyed look on his face, stood from his own family seat and made his way to sit beside Draco, rather than get trampled on by dueling half-bloods. She's likely to destroy the place without lifting a finger on her own. Was that in whatever dastardly plan the two of you had concocted when you so conveniently arrived in the middle of a session? Maya made eye contact with Draco, overhearing the question, and smirked. Remember how smart Granger was? Draco asked his friend. Theo nodded. Enough to frustrate you in some delightful common remissy fits for besting your scores. Draco ignored the insult and the quiet laughter that Maya was trying to stifle. <clears throat> She's had an additional eight years of education. Plus, this time, she was raised by a pure-blood Slytherin mother. Well, then help us, Theo chuckled. Look at her face. She's enjoying this quite a bit. And she really was. Taking on Umbridge, 
I don't think I've seen her this excited since she broke my nose third year. That made everyone who saw it a little happy. If an injury has to be done to a man, it should be so severe that his vengeance need not be feared, Theo said with an entertained smile. What do you think Umbridge did to incur this kind of wrath? Draco asked. Other than exist, by my count, she's called her mudblood twice already. Minister! Umbridge finally broke, turning to Kingsley with a shout and thus pulling Maya's focus away from listening in on the Slytherins as pandemonium erupted around her. I request that Lady Black be removed from the wizard gamut immediately. Finally, the crowd began to calm down as Umbridge's volume increased everyone waiting to see how Kingsley would side. Those who knew the man waited to see how the blood purists would react when he made his cho choice known. Before the minister could say anything aloud, Maya spoke up, her voice calm and rational. If Madame Umbridge has justification for having me removed, I willingly give her the floor. If not, my accusations stand. Miss Porter. You're aware of the seriousness of your accusations? Kingsley asked her, as though he had not been informed of her desire to ruin Umbridge. You are accusing a member of the Wizengamot of using an unforgivable. Yes, Maya affirmed, against the former Minister for Magic, Harold Mincham. Umbridge briefly flinched at the specified accusation, and Maya's inner animagus shivered in delight. And lest we forget, I also accused her of forging his signature on legislation she wanted to pass. Umbridge huffed incredulously. This is offensive as a victim of the imperious curse myself, she said, fanning her face with her hand to further show how emotionally distraught she was by the accusations being thrown at her. I am more than aware of how difficult it would be to even begin to investigate such a horrendous claim. Maya smiled at the woman, an action that apparently continued to irritate. Yes, it would take wand monitoring after suspicion had been aroused, signed by an auror and registered with the improper use of magic offices, and considering that the person being monitored is aware of being monitored, they are unlikely to perform said unforgivable magic. Umbridge hissed. Precisely, you foolish girl. Not only that, but as I am a member of the Wizengamot, to even begin such a ridiculous investigation, you would need to file an application to the court for an investigator. Crap. That should have been for an investigation, but I'm not going to redo it because that was really good. Yes, and those applications take roughly 180 days to process. Maya agreed. Precisely. I suppose then, Maya began, removing a rolled and sealed parchment from her bag. It's a good thing I filed one in 1979, isn't it? A single bead of sweat slid down Umbridge's temple, and in a very small voice she squeaked, What? Oh, yes. You see, I used to work for the ministry. Maya quirked her lips turning her attention to Kingsley and to the rest of the Wizengamot. I was a simple little file girl that had suspicions about several pieces of legislation that Madame Umbridge was passing at the time. A friend of Minister Mincham brought to my attention that the minister was behaving strangely following his meetings with Madame Umbridge. 
worried for the ministry, I filed an application for an investigation to the courts, which was surprisingly approved by the minister himself. Shocking, almost as though he were willing to sign anything that crossed his desk with the name Umbridge on it. Cat's face is like, what? Yeah, she's dumb bitch. Whispers filled the room, and even some of her supporters began looking at Umbridge with narrowed eyes. Then, I simply had an oar file the proper paperwork to have Madame Umbridge's wand monitored. She said, purposely not looking in Sirius's direction, as he had been the oar in question. She pulled out a small stack of papers and passed them over to Kingsley. Here are the findings. As I said when I arrived, I previously stopped by the administration offices this morning. I'm sure there are copies of the reports, if anybody believes I tampered with these. You! Umbridge gaped at her in obvious horror. You you still have to launch a proper investigation, and, and I object! Kingsley fixed her with a stern glare. Dolores, you may step down voluntarily or be forcibly removed, he said as he looked down over the papers in his hand, passing them to Hyperion Greengrass, who sneered at the parchment and their findings. Umbridge stomped her foot in outrage. I will not let a filthy little mudblood accuse me of... If I may, minister, Maya asked, cutting off Umbridge's rant. Miss Potter. I understand this must be incredibly embarrassing to Madame Umbridge. She offered a fake sympathetic smile. It is my understanding that the Wizengamot still follows and adheres to the rules of ancient magic. Of course, Kingsley answered, and even the blood purists began nodding their head in agreement, as though suggesting anything else was offensive to the entire wizarding culture. If she sees fit, Maya offered. Madame Umbridge may challenge my accusations per ancient law. Yes, I challenge the accusations, Umbridge quickly spat. Very well, then. By the similar ancient laws, I have the right to challenge Madame Umbridge in turn for the slander against my house. She set her bag down and unbuttoned her cloak, throwing it gently into her seat. She smiled when Draco leaned forward and folded it properly for her. Umbridge stared, clearly confused. I never said one word against. Would the collective assembly agree that they've heard Madame Umbridge refer to me as a mudblood no less than three times in this session? Thea looked to Draco and smirked. They would, Kingsley said angrily. I'm sure it was an accident, Maya said sweetly, and that Madame Umbridge is unaware that it is illegal by ancient laws to slander a pureblood and their house by referring to or implying that any member of a noble and ancient house is impure. As I am the adopted daughter of Doria Black and Charles Potter, I am considered by those same ancient laws a pureblood. Madame Umbridge referred to me as a mudblood, and I offer her the chance to either step down from the Wizengamot willingly to save herself some dignity, and accept a formal investigation, or accept my challenge to rightfully defend the honor of my houses. She is not a pure blood. She is not adoption only. Stop talking, Dolores. Fudge stood and hissed at the woman. You know exactly what pure blood adoption means.
Umbridge looked confused. Maya frowned, which was difficult because she wanted to start dancing. Perhaps she doesn't, Mr. Fudge. Perhaps Madame Umbridge, as a half-blood, wasn't taught our customs and traditions. The wizen gamut made a collective gasp. What? Umbridge swallowed. I... How dare! I'm a... It's true, Laura Zabini said, looking bored as she glanced down at her hands to examine her nails. I heard she was only a half-blood. And there's nothing wrong with that. Some of my best friends are half-bloods, Maya said jokingly, looking over her shoulder and winking at Harry and Remus, who both rolled their eyes at her. I... I... <clears throat> I accept your challenge, Umbridge blurted out likely to save face and change the subject of her own parentage. Oh, good, Maya grinned brightly. I will be sad to kill you, of course. Umbridge blinked. What? A challenge to defend the honor of one's house is a duel to the death, Dolores. Do you understand nothing of our laws? Surely a simple mudblood like me couldn't possibly know more about magic than you. Are you reading ahead? No. Okay. Good. Shit's about to go down. Umbridge visibly panicked and looked at Kingsley. Minister! Lady Black is correct, Madam Umbridge. These are our ways, Kingsley said firmly. But she... Oh, for the love of Salazar, Dolores, Peneus Parkinson snapped. Deal the little shit and put her... <laughs> Deal the little chit and put an end to this nonsense or we'll be here for days. Umbridge began to remove her plum cloak and hat, reaching to the pocket of her robe for her wand. Maya stepped down the stairs, stretching her arms and neck as she removed her robe entirely, revealing muggle clothing beneath which caused the blood purists to look at her with distaste. Madam Umbridge should be aware that I did quite well in my defense N.E.W.T., she said with a proud smile, as she approached Sirius, Harry, and Remus. She handed her robe over to him, grinning sardonically. Beaten out by only one other person, and he was a dirty, rotten cheat. Did not, Remus whispered. Maya turned to face Umbridge as the woman descended the stairs to meet her in the center of the floor. Then again, you do have a number of years on me. Much more knowledge and experience, I gather. It's not as though I personally defeated the Dark Lord. I was only taught how to defend myself by Harry Potter. She smirked and a wave of quiet chuckles echoed through the chamber. And then again by the wizard who taught Harry Potter how to defend himself. I'm sorry, I ramble when I'm nervous. Umbridge narrowed her beady eyes. Who stands as my second? I'll stand, Peneus Parkinson said. And your second, Miss Potter? Kingsley asked. Maya grinned when no less than twelve wizards stood at the question in a silent offering. Augusta Longbottom also stood, looking like she was in the mood for a good execution before afternoon tea. Remus Lupin will be my second. A werewolf? Yes. I imagine that, should you be so lucky as to kill me, he'd be quite entertained with the idea of dueling you. Maya's amused smile faded. If you should get injured, however, 
I wouldn't expect him to carry you to St. Mungo's. He's not allowed inside, you see. Her words were calm, but ever so threatening as her personal issues with Dolores Umbridge were laid out bare for the entire Wizengamot. If you have a problem with dueling a werewolf, I can always refuse to have a second, but you must do so first. Umbridge avoided glancing in Remus's direction as she announced, I refuse a second! Peneus Parkinson sat down, looking annoyed. I'd watch that temper of yours, Dolores. Very Gryffindor of you to behave so recklessly. Maya turned around to empty her pockets and decide which of her vinewood wands she wanted to use. Harry was the only one in the stand who looked nervous. Provoking her with me? Remus asked, raising a brow. Maya smiled slyly. Angry? Hardly. Did you see her face? Merlin, it's like Christmas all over again. If you let that bitch kill you, Sirius whispered, taking Maya's face into his hands, I will be very cross with you. Hermione, are you sure you... Harry began nervously fidgeting with the sleeve of his robe. I mean, we've never exactly seen her fight properly, have we? What if she cheats? Oh, I know she'll cheat, but she underestimates me on at least two levels. First... I'm where she might be properly decent in a duel, whereas she doesn't know the half of what I'm capable of. And second? Maya smiled innocently, something Harry had hopefully learnt to be afraid of. Second is that Dolores Umbridge will hope to kill me in this duel to rid the world of one extra mudblood who's trying desperately to besmirch her good name. I, on the other hand, don't want to kill the witch. What do you want to do to her, then? Make her bleed and weep? and suffer, and beg me for mercy. Kiss me for luck, kitten. He pressed his lips against hers, delving his tongue into her mouth, grinning when she gripped the front of his shirt tightly. He brought her into his arms and hugged her, making it look like they were saying goodbye, just in case. In reality, he brushed his lips against the shell of her ear and whispered, After this is done and everyone leaves, would you like me to fuck you on the black family seat? Maya chuckled and pulled it away from him. Remus handed her wand over. Don't play with her. Just finish it. Quickly. <laughs> no promises. I'm going to enjoy this. Keep them in line, she said, gesturing to Sirius and Harry. Remus nodded. When she stepped back to the floor, wand in hand, Kingsley stood. Ladies... As interim chief warlock and minister of magic, a degree that this... I decree that this duel is valid by the ancient laws of magic, and the victor will not be held accountable for the death of the other. That being said, their use of unforgivables is, as always, denied. Before Kingsley even had a chance to officially begin the duel, Umbridge flicked her wand out and sent an entrail-expelling curse at Maya that was easily blocked with a shield. Umbridge hissed as she missed her target, and Maya grinned at her. Sneaky witch. She allowed the woman to attack her repeatedly, with wild motions and harsh hexes and curses. Each time she threw up a well-placed shield, grinning calmly as Umbridge descended further and further down an unending pit of anger and bitterness. Delando, Maya called out, 
And as the tickling hex hit this target square in the chest, the body of the Wizengamot began murmuring to one another in confusion. Most of the blood purists believed that Maya was out of her element, relying on defenses taught to fourth-year Hogwarts students. Her friends and family knew better. Remus was rolling his eyes. I told Maya not to play with her. Fight me! Umbridge screamed in frustration as Maya deflected yet another curse. I'm sorry, Dolores, Maya said calmly. Are you having trouble getting through my shield? She's provoking her. Harry whispered to Sirius, there are only a few curses strong enough on their own to get through a stupefy, Umbridge shrieked, her temper rising as each and every hex, jinx, and curse bounced off of Maya's well-placed shields, completely unaware that she was being lured into a trap. Stupefy! Deprimo! Protecto! She hissed in frustration when nothing appeared to stick. Maya let out a taunting laugh, spinning her wand between her fingers. Umbridge narrowed her eyes and sneered before snapping out, Expelliarmus! Maya's wand flew into her hand, and the toad-faced woman gave a shout of triumph. Harry stood and made to move, but, sensing him behind her, Maya shouted, Remus! Depending on him to take Harry by the shoulders and shove him back into his seat. Umbridge aimed her own wand at her unarmed opponent and grinned. I have waited a long time to do this, she said, her eyes manic and the grin on her face a little too smug for her own good. Not as long as I have, Maya said, not looking even slightly intimidated. She reached her small hand out, empty palm up. Umbridge laughed. A hand of mercy, is it, or is it one of friendship? She asked mockingly. Neither, Maya whispered. Incarcerous. Ropes were conjured out of the floor and flew up towards Umbridge, wrapping around her arms, legs, waist, and throat. She looked up with wide eyes just as Maya closed her fist tightly. The ropes in turn tightened, pulling the woman to the ground with a sickening thud, binding her. Umbridge screamed against the tightening rope around her neck. Apologies, Dolores. The click of Maya's heels on the floor echoed as she walked towards Umbridge gracefully. Are you not skilled at wandless magic? Perhaps you should have studied harder in defense against the dark arts. Theory isn't everything, you know. Then again, perhaps when you were in Hogwarts, you learned defensive spells in a secure, risk-free way. Perhaps when you were at Hogwarts, you weren't exposed to irresponsible wizards, not to mention extremely dangerous half-breeds. Then again, I suppose, if one studies theory hard enough. Umbridge made a choking noise, and Maya adopted a patient expression. Speak up, dear. Would you still like me to fight you? When Umbridge said nothing and instead snarled, eyes narrowed, Maya inclined her head and picked her own wand out of her enemy's hand. Avis! she said, her tone full of sweetness as crows burst forth from the tip of her wand, flapping their wings in the air, circling around, waiting for a command. Harry, Sirius, and Remus all grinned at the sight of the birds, having seen this particular spell before, and prepared for the crows to attack the bound woman. The Wizengamot, expecting the same, all sat forward on their chairs, suddenly enthralled with the path the duel had taken. What no one expected was for Maya to whisper, Draconophores. 
The flying black crows gave a sudden caw as their feathers turned into scales, and each bird transfigured into a small black dragon. Umbridge screamed in terror, as Maya said, A pugno! The circling dragons overhead rapidly flew down, screeching loudly as fire ignited in their throats, spewing forth from their mouths onto the thrashing witch below. Maya turned away from the sight to clean Umbridge's hand sweat off of her wand. She looked to the audience, where a shocked Harry watched the tiny dragons attack, while an unsurprised Remus observed, his hand still carefully placed on Harry's shoulder. I need to take a second because we're just like ripping through this chapter and we have very limited content for this episode. But like, holy fucking shit. (laughs) There's like violent and then there's sicking multiple tiny dragons on somebody and burning their flesh. Like that's, Jesus, you haven't watched Game of Thrones, so I can't make any references, but man. But it actually is a very good lead into the one tangent I did want to have this episode. I know I sent you and Hannah Beth uh, at least one of the songs recently, but like, I feel like when we were growing up, okay, name some of the really famous songs you remember women singing, like female pop singers singing when we were like growing up. Name some of the female singers. Um... I remember Jessica and Ashley Simpson being big. Um, does Avril Lavigne count or is she too grungy? I no, no, know. she counts. She counts. Yeah, and um, oh my God, what's her name? Britney Spears. That's a good one, but that's not who I was thinking. Christina of. Aguilera. Yeah, that bitch. Okay. Yeah, Christina Aguilera. Yeah. So, with Christina Aguilera, I will say like beautiful stood out as like a truly positive like anthem but things like genie in a bottle hit me baby one more time um uh lucky um like a lot of the songs were just not what i would want my daughter to emulate well here's the thing i watched a documentary once and i think it's on netflix still I can't remember what it's called, but it was about music and songs back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the songs, like for Britney Spears and Backstreet Boys and a lot of like that era kind of stuff, were actually written by Swedish people, I believe it was. Hmm. And th- what it means over there and over here are two totally different things. So like, I think Britney Spears's Baby Hit Me One More Time was actually written by a Swede, and they meant call me like hit me up like call me oh, yeah, yeah. but us well, idiot americans some of us took it as like i'm gonna punch you in the face you know well, what I mean? like i, I took, so, I took like, it as like call me but i feel like so many of the songs were the the songs that female pop singers sung were written okay I'm going to try and like word this in such a way that it makes sense, but it was to encourage behavior in women that men like. And all of this is said through a heteronormative lens. I am not purposefully trying to exclude the LGBTQ community, but like this, 
this generation of music was very hetero focused and I am going somewhere with this. So one of the songs that came out within like the last year that really like was like a sucker punch in the gut was Victoria's Secret. Have you heard it? No. So the chorus is I know Victoria's Secret. Um and girl, you wouldn't believe it. She's an old guy who lives in Ohio making money off of girls like me, uh, cashing in on body issues, scale- selling skin and bones with big boobs. I know Victoria's Secret. She was made up by a dude. Yeah, because she and, was. And it hit me like a fucking sledgehammer that men's underwear is designed for comfort, breathability, and support. With very limited fashion to it, right? The underwear that is marketed to women is generally like super processed, like polyester stuff that's not good for breathability, or like super silky material, which, if you have any level of excretion they become extraordinarily uncomfortable also just the way they're cut they like ride up weird um thongs create a super highway for fecal matter to get into your vajayjay which is why people were getting so many fucking utis and bv um and oh by the way they're not really comfortable um some of them are some of them i I, I have found some that are very comfortable and also they make new balance makes a fantastic workout thong by the way that is breathable i will keep that in mind so but come a long way but how if somebody were to sell you very comfortable high-waisted 100 percent cotton underwear what are those usually called granny granny panties or in my case, period panties. The underwear that is designed for comfort, breathability, and support is called granny panties, whereas the underwear that is incredibly uncomfortable and not healthy for the JJ and looks super sexy, it isn't designed for us. It's designed for men to think it looks good on us. And we are told that if we wear the things that are comfortable and good for our lady bits... Men won't find it attractive because they're granny panties. So, like, I was already on, like, this angry feminist feeling of yeah, bullshit. Yeah, but in Bridget Jones' diary, Hugh Grant was going to do it no matter what with her panties, and so he didn't by care. The, oh, don't even get me started on that movie. Have you watched that recently? No. When she gets on the scale and goes about how fat she thinks she is, she is 130 pounds. Oh, really? That is her fact. I didn't notice that. She is I didn't a notice that. hundred. That's my fucking goal weight. Well, that's what I am now. Technically, that is what I am now. But the only reason I'm that is because of ADHD medication. But like, I, I am comfortable in my body at 130 pounds. At 140 pounds, I am also like five foot two. But in what? Oh, and she's fucking five foot seven or five foot eight. By the way, so in what fucking planet is somebody who is five foot seven or five foot eight fat at one hundred and thirty pounds? I am skinny at one thirty, and I am six inches shorter than she is. Like what the? Mm. Anyway, I digress. But 
Yeah, but that's why companies like Aerie yes. are doing the right thing mm-hmm. and putting the body positivity and also say what you want about her because I know some people don't like her, but Kim Kardashian skims. She has all body types. She's put uh, athletes in wheelchairs. She made the first friendly... Um, what am, what am I trying to say? When you have a prosthetic... And you can't get underwear on. She actually made underwear for like prosthetic um, friendly. Yeah, because nice. and it was. It, I don't think she sold it to the public, but I think it was for athletes because she did a um, athletic line for um, the Special Olympics or something. Or? Yeah, yeah, for the Olympians. And some of them were like, "This is the first time I've ever like." I think it was her. It was either her or Chloe who did the. No, no, it wasn't Kim. It was Chloe. No, sorry, my bad. No, it was Chloe and the Good American thing because the person who co-founded Good American with her was on Shark Tank as an investor, and this person came on who has a prosthetic and finally made prosthetic jeans. Yes. So then, so then her line started making the jeans for prosthetics, and then I want to say that somehow through that collaboration for the Olympian thing, Kim. Got Got in it too for them, but didn't sell it publicly. I don't think. Quote, somebody Google that and quote me if I'm wrong, but I kind of think that's how it worked because I kind of remember that. But yeah, no. so I appreciate the diversity that we have moved mm-hmm. on from Victoria's and, Secret uh, uh, people. I walked past Victoria's Secret the other day, and they had a woman who was easily a size ten or twelve. Now, again, I'm aware yeah. that that is still smaller than the average American woman, yes. but. After skin and bones with big boobs, seeing somebody with any level of curve and no hip bones yeah. is fucking huge. Yeah, which is why I don't buy Victoria. I don't. Secret I don't anymore. either. And by the way, their stuff, like, their quality, like tank. Yeah, and which is why like, I started switching to Airy anyway. But I like Airy well, stuff. I also don't wear fucking I, underwires anymore unless I have My them. airy bra fell apart, hmm. so I don't buy their bras anymore. I only buy their underwear. So I buy the I really wear a lot of bralettes now without wires because it's just more comfortable. But but where I was going, yeah. With but this, um, you have big tits and I don't, and I can't do that because if I wear bralettes, I look flat chest. Fair. Um. Well, it depends on the bralette. Is, I, I get the ones with the pads. Um. Well, yeah. But but where I am going with this is we have seen the change in clothing, which has been nice, and in models, which is nice. But the big change that I've seen this last year is in music. So Victoria's Secret was sort of the big one. And what what I was trying to say earlier about the 90s music is I feel like 90s music was telling girls how to be so that guys would find them attractive. Same thing with the clothing. It's like, this is what guys, women, female pop singers were singing to these, you know, fake guys that we were supposed to want. And if we acted like them, boys would like us. Yes. And like, you know, fuck that, whatever. It's unhealthy, yeah. toxic bullshit. But some of the songs that have come out now, and I'm going to pull up the names real quick because I'm super excited by them. Okay, first off, Dove Cameron um, apparently was a um, Disney star. They all, yeah, they all, you go- I did not know that. But uh, Dove has gone openly sapphic uh what's that mean lesbian oh i've never heard that word before so her song boyfriend um is fucking amazing basically talking about how she could pick this girl up at a bar and take her home because her boyfriend is clearly trash and a relationship would be better with her 
because her clothes would fit and um she wouldn't quit doing certain things that guys quit doing anyway hilarious huge fan of that one um but the don't you think megan trainer also like started all that too because like all about my base and everything yeah so and but, it's like but but but, but that's still what? her talking about her body and why you yeah. should like it with a little more curve what i really like yeah is um, Do It Like a Girl by Morgan St. John and What It Means to Be a Girl by Emmeline. So Do It Like yeah. Girl, Do It Like a Girl is any um, anything that you can do, I can do better while I'm bleeding is the fucking lead in line. And I was like, oh my God. And it's like, I bet when you make it to the top, nobody uh, says you had to fuck your way there. And like, okay. Yeah. But, Music has come a long way. But the one line in What It Means to Be a Girl is it's psycho we're living in a world where i get into clubs because i'm hot as fuck but i don't trust what's in my cup yeah like oh my god she's calling because the thing is like i feel like a lot of people don't a lot of people who are born male assigned male at birth whatever grow up in that bubble when we would ask questions, like my, I had a, a college professor who was trying to explain, yes, women clearly have equal rights to men today. Well, that was before certain things happened. But, you know, th there is equal rights. Like some of the guys in our class were like, what do you mean there's no equality between men and women? And he was like, it's societal. He's like, it's systemic. You can't make it go away. He was like, so he said, all right, to all the men in the class, if you were out at a bar and you walked to your car by yourself, what do you do? And all the guys are kind of like, fucking no, I, I walked to my car? Like, the fuck? And nobody really had anything to say. And professor goes, okay, ladies, what do you do? And that's when Claire raises her hand and says, she calls me until she gets to her car. So in case something happens to her, at least I know where she is. And it was comments like that. I hold my keys so they're poking through my fingers in case I have to yeah. punch somebody. Um, one, two, like two or three girls held up those little cat things where it's got like the really pointy ears and the two holes for the yeah. eyes and you can like stick your fingers through it. Uh... Almost half of us had pepper spray. One of us had a taser. And the guys yeah. are like, what the fuck? And we're like, yeah. and he said, I am not going to ask how many of you have dealt with this. Because frankly, it is nobody else's business. But gentlemen, I can tell you that of the 20 women in this room, at least five of them have been assaulted. And that's probably yeah. lowballing it. And the guys all kind of looked around and the girls looked around. And one of them went, it's higher than that. And all the guys were just like, what the fuck? And I was like, yeah. So part of me was like, oh, bummer. You know, it would have been fun to have a girl to, you know, pass down my dresses to whatever. Um. But on the other hand, and, you know, who knows, maybe James will someday decide that he actually wants to be Joanna. Who knows? But um, 
part of me is also yeah. really glad that I don't have to raise a girl. Because shit's fucking scary. Yeah. And I am glad that I do get to raise a boy. Because, you know, he is going to know all of this stuff. And I'm going to make it very clear. You don't need to be the knight in shining armor to all of the girls you run into. Because that shit's annoying as fuck. But you better fucking rip any man to shreds who even comes close to being that kind of dickhead. That is your job. Yeah. You are going to be a good man. And if there are not good men, you are, one, sure as fuck not going to be friends with them. And number two, you're going to fucking report them if they do shady shit. Because none of this, you know, bros before hoes bullshit. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. Not gonna fly. Yeah, so. it's just like how when me and the hippie used to hang out at a certain bar on a Stock Island, even though Stock Island's really, like, it's sketchy, but it's not as sketchy as most places. She would walk me to my car, and then when she went back to her boat, I didn't worry about her too much because she could take probably any guy with yeah. those arms. Uh, yeah. But I was always like, you text me when you get to your boat, even if I'm driving, because I don't want to, like, mm-hmm. worry that you got, like, thrown in the water or something. Like, yep. Yeah, so it was always like a text you when you're home thing, blah, 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 because I even tell the Dark Wizard that when he leaves my house or anything, I'm like, text me when you're home. Like, I do that all the time. That's, yeah. Yeah. So, it's, especially because of what color his skin is. It, it frightens me, too, but that's a whole different conversation. But, yeah, I do it with girls and dudes. Like, I don't care. But yeah, music has come a long way, especially like Nick Carter actually recently wrote a song about how he felt about Aaron dying and everything. And he actually is putting on something, I think, in California somewhere to make awareness of mental health and raising money to do all of that. Because I, I listened to the song because I was curious. And one of the lines he says is that I prayed that your mind would find peace, but he never did. And he was talking about how like, even though it hurts to love you, like, I still love you, and all this stuff. And it was a, kind of an interesting song, but, like, songs have come a heck of a long way since we were uh, kids. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm... We saw, like, inklings of it, but, like, the first song where I was like, fuck, this is going to go in history yeah. books was Beyonce's Freedom. Yeah. And that was like, oh, this is a fucking anthem. Okay. Yeah. And then and- uh, Kesha's Praying. Yeah. Um, Sam Smith with both Prey and him. Both fucking incredible. Um, and there's another one. His name's Noah something. And he wrote a song called Holy Water. And holy fucking shit. Yeah. And I also appreciate, like, this is obviously deviating from, like, all of that. But I also appreciate that. And I don't know if you find this, but I find this. I feel like more gospel and religious music is starting to become more prevalent, too, than it ever Mm -hmm. was, which I also think is good that we're coming more progressive like that. And also, this kind of goes back to your point about, like, music changing, like... I think that TV is starting to change a little bit too and everything because did you see Ryan Murphy's speech at the Golden Globes when he got that, um, I think it was the Cecil B. DeMille Award, I think. Mm -hmm. So this man gets on stage and makes it about everybody else. 
not about him. Because last year, the Golden Globes did not air. And one of his actresses from Pose was the first transgender actor to win a Golden Globe. And it was not televised because the award show was not televised. So he got up on stage and said, give it up for her because I think she deserves the recognition. Everybody got up and clapped. And it was a beautiful moment. And then he made it about every single actor that he has ever put in his show that was part of that community. He called out Billy Porter and was like, Billy Porter grew up here and was told that you would never do this and you would never do that. Matt Bomer, he, everybody that was in that room that he has ever hired or no, he made it all about them and not about himself. And then he brought it around to himself and said, as a gay man from wherever he's from, I never saw myself on TV. So this is why I put people in my work because I want those other gay, trans, everything kids to see themselves and not be afraid. And he made this whole speech and I was like, oh my God, oh my God, Ryan Murphy, why are you making me cry? Like, it was insane. That's the amount of like love in that room. And he actually asked Billy Porter to recreate the outfit that he wore, the tuck look, but this time they did it in magenta. <gasps> so he was it was so cute. And he this. said that he... He purposely asked him to do that because he wanted to make the statement in the moment. Like it was, it was good. And even people, yeah. And like, even the people that weren't there, he called out because he was like, um, freaking Sarah Paulson. He was like, it it was amazing. He just like called out every actor that he has ever put into his work. That's incredible. Yeah. It it, it was nice. Right. Yeah, I should probably I, finish the I story. Enjoyed that. <laughs> yes. I, I need to go to sleep. Yes. And now we have enough content to actually make a good episode. I love you guys. Mwah. All right. So last bit was fucking Umbridge getting wrecked by many dragons. Maya turned away from the site to clean Umbridge's hand sweat off of her wand. She looked to the audience, where a shocked Harry watched the tiny dragons attack, while an unsurprised Remus observed, his hand still carefully placed on Harry's shoulder. Sirius, on the other hand, was staring at Maya with a devious grin, and she could only imagine the things he was planning in that depraved mind of his. Let me go! Umbridge screamed as the fire burned away the rope around her neck, leaving behind sizzling welts. Let me go! Are you giving up, Dolores? Do you not know how deals work? Are you begging me for mercy? Maya banished the dragons. One by one, they vanished into thin air. Serious, my love, am I known for being merciful? He barked a laugh. (laughs) You've never shown me an ounce of it. The crowd laughed quietly. She stepped close, kneeling down beside Umbridge. Perhaps I should learn to show mercy. Dolores, Maya whispered softly so that only the other witch could hear her. I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. When I'm done with you, you'll wish that the centaurs I trapped you with when I was sixteen had trampled you to death, you prejudiced, toad-faced cunt. I will strip you of every ounce of dignity and watch your soul bleed into the ether until I have the chance to bury you alive, if I'm mood for it. Finite. Burn! <laughs> that was really fun to read. The ropes released Umbridge, and Maya stood, 
turning her back on the woman. Umbridge stood, her purple robes burned away, showing the singed pink cardigan beneath. Her hair was burned in several places, and there were flame-induced blisters on her left arm where a dark mark should have been. The witch, ignoring the mercy that Maya had offered, bitterly raised her wand and began to cast, Kirushi! Sectumsempra! Maya spun, her hair flowing in a circle to wave behind her as she turned, wand slashing through the air like a fencing sword. The curse cut through the skin of Umbridge's right arm down to the bone, spewing blood on the floor, and then slicing straight through her wand, breaking it in two. She gave a loud cry of anguish and fell to her knees, grasping at her bleeding arm. I offer mercy, Maya said, loud and clear, as she sheathed her wand in the holster at her thigh. Dolores Umbridge, Kingsley stood, trying to keep his composure. This appeared to be a great deal easier for him. He had been an Auror, after all, than it was for the Wizengamot members who had never seen battle. Most of them were staring at Umbridge in horror, and at Maya in fearful awe. You are hereby stripped of your Wizengamot seat, pending a formal investigation into the accusations of fraud, forgery, and the use of an unforgivable on former Minister for Magic Herod Lynchum. I strongly suggest you have someone escort you to the flu and get to St. Mungo's. Minister, if I may, Maya spoke up as guards came through the doors to collect Umbridge. Kingsley sighed. Go ahead. Before Dolores is escorted out, I'd like to formally file charges against her person on behalf of the House of Potter. This is excessive shacklebolt. Fudge stood, eyes wide as he stared at the bleeding woman that had once been his right hand when he himself had been minister. She's already defended her houses against the doors for what she called her. Yes, that matter has been settled, Maya agreed. However, this one is much graver. Dolores Umbridge forcibly spilt the blood of a scion of my house, permanently scarring him when he was but a child. Isn't that right, Dolores? When Umbridge did nothing but weep, Maya cleared her throat. I said, isn't that right, Dolores? You willingly, illegally, forced the sole heir and scion of a noble house to spill their own blood, leaving him scarred. I did no such thing, Maya grinned. I was really hoping you'd say that. Cosinus Mendax. Very slowly, a crimson stain escaped from Umbridge's mouth and moved along the skin of her face until it settled in the center of the woman's forehead, spelling out, I must not tell lies. Yikes. <laughs> she got dark. And that's the chapter for this week. So, uh, huh. Yikes, I know a lot of you have been waiting for this, and I do truly appreciate your patience. We, uh, it's, it's been a fucking shit show for, like, six weeks, and I hope it is going to get better. Um, I will say this is not just us not making the time. This is, we cannot record because my child is screaming, or we cannot record because I am in the hospital, or we cannot record because Cat is having 
things that she's going through medically. And it's literally been just a clusterfuck for six weeks now. And oh, by the way, the fucking holidays and, you know, all of the non-stressful shit that goes along with that. So we really, really have tried it. Yeah. And, I feel like and then we like to have Hannah Beth here. That's the third schedule we have to coordinate and a third kid that we have to operate around. around. Yeah. So like, it's a lot. It, it is. It is a lot. And I think had I had a child during season one, um, oh, I don't know that no. I don't know that we would have finished the show. To be completely no. honest, the fact that absolutely not the fact that this is the final season is making us push through without you know hitting a long pause. Um, we are planning take. We are hoping to do another story. We are going to see how things roll. See how many episodes we can get recorded before we actually start. Um, we may not officially announce a release date, and instead wait until we get a certain number recorded before we start releasing them. And we may switch to a bi-weekly schedule instead of weekly, uh, just to ensure that we are not leaving you guys hanging. But I feel bad for anybody who's binging this because like in the future, because they're going to be like, fuck man, it would have sucked to be like in the final season and have this shit happen. But, um, we are doing everything we can and we do appreciate your guys's continued you know, dedication to the show and love for us and understanding. So really and truly, you guys are freaking incredible and we love you. And uh, we will see you next. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I have to thank the people. Our January foxes are Muggle Trucker, Claire Soothes My ADHD Goblin Brain, Anthony, Tori, Stacy. Widower of a Slitherclaw, Leanne, Sandra, Camille, Patrick, Shauna, Martina, Kayla, Shona, Nicole, Claire, Jordan, Kenny, Crystal, Sarah, Ryland, Carissa, Rachel, Kaylin, Carly, Tiffany, April, Karina, Audrey, another one for the baby jar, Diana, Tessa, Kara, Melissa, Cassie, Cauldron Mist, Kara, Ryder, Crystal, Sylvia, Samantha, Brittany, Kendra, Dan, Misha, Becky, Juliana, Jessica, Jillian, Miriam, Juliana, Shannon, Sarah, Frau Holly, Matthew, Jasmine, and Cheryl. Now, with that, we will see you next. Fire Whiskey Friday. Whatcha? Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire Whiskey and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.